0: Everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Very excited to have this conversation with my guest today. She is the founder of Architect Brand and Design Collective, a creative strategist and continuous learner. I have Lauren Elise Jones. Hi, Lauren.
1: Hi, LaShonda. How are you today?
0: You know, I'm doing
1: well. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for asking. You are welcome.
0: So I'm going to start with you like I do all my guests, and ask what is your labor of love?
1: Oh man, my, my labor of love is pretty um, simple and complex at the same time. And quite frankly, it's creating access. It's creating access for uh, pretty much any marginalized community that feels like it should and it does deserve access to that next level of influence, that next level of economic strata, that next level of um, where they're trying to go with their life, and then figuring out the different ways to build relationships or um, mitigate <clears throat> barriers that uh, work against that access. So something I've been in- involved in for a long Long time doing that kind of work in various capacities, but doing that kind of work. Okay.
0: So creating access. So I think we can have some really rich conversations <laughs> around this, but let's start with um, where is this rooted for you? What are some of the experiences you've had in life that made this so important that you would labor to make it happen?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a little twofold but it I think it's if I think thoroughly about it I think it stems from my late teens. Um those years where you're about to get ready to go to college, um where you're a little confused, you're kind of just following a script, uh, whatever's laid out by your your parental figures um and or guardians and for me it was always assumed in our household that my sister and I would go to college and we'll get these degrees in whatever field of focus we were interested in and <laughs> we'll come out and make all this money. And it was, it was a very simplistic uh, idea that did not happen at all. Um, and I think it's the second part of that is that I actually, before, before going to college, um, for when I was a sophomore in high school, I got nominated to attend a college preparatory institution in Indiana um, known as the Indiana Academy for Science, Mathematics and Humanities. And it was a boarding school and it was geared towards those who were academically and uh, humanities driven, socially gifted um, in the state. And it just really cultivated those talents more. So not sure who the gatekeeper was and I use air quotes there, but um, who, allowed, who saw that kind of potential in me and allowed me to have access to that kind of institution. But it did um, prepare me in ways to at least begin the college experience, even though I wasn't necessarily able to finance it, which is a different kind of access altogether.
0: Mm. Ain't <laughs> it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, we could go. Yeah. Gonna, gonna, gonna I do to go pay for this? I don't know.
0: I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, as you were talking, I started to think about, I I had a couple of people flash actually before me thinking about my high school experience. And like you, college was just the assumption. Like yeah. no one around fifth grade was like, hmm, I wonder if you're going to go to sixth. I wonder if, no, it's like, you're going to finish high school. So college was this expectation, though neither of my parents had ever been to college. So there is this assumption, this like, this is the next step, but I had absolutely no one to talk to about what, what that was. And when I think about the college, the high school experience that I had, it's been hitting me more and more lately that despite living where I grew up in Detroit and having an experience where I am, in a 98 percent black student population all but three of my teachers from kindergarten to 12th grade were white Mm
1: -hmm. and the
0: experience of college prep and whatever that meant and didn't mean was very interesting when it came to uh, the preparation for moving into that next step. So I, I I can just appreciate that, and that you were able to go to a college preparatory school. I I've known those kind of schools existed, but just it just hit me like oh so all schools ain't college pre- <laughs> like you know like no they're they're actually no, not they are not designed yeah. innately to yeah. prepare you for that thing. So yeah, very interesting there. So. Yeah what was it about, or how do I want to ask it? Like access. I, I find access to be so interesting. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a concept that I found I am using more and more in many realms, particularly when it comes to boundaries. I talk about boundaries as an access point, Mm -hmm. but when you say access, tell us what you mean.
1: Yeah, I mean it. I do. I seriously mean it in all the ways possible. So Um, let's look at it from a gender point of view too so I'm the oldest of two girls and um, for me coming up in those formative years access meant something it was under a different definition but it really meant how come I can't do the same things that the boys can do or that my male cousins can get into Mm, or that uh what I see happening in my family universe how come I can't engage in that kind of behavior or say this phrase or present myself in this way um I grew up I love my father to pieces but I grew up with a very uh boomer centered dad who you know had two main scripts in life protect and provide for his family and that is beautiful but when it comes to like emotional intelligence and some of those deeper heavy discussions that's not something we share um so having those kinds of existential if I guess that's the word kind of conversations with the young lady and uh her father between the differences what men and women can do especially in child rearing and, and in growing up um there were some scripts in my house there were some things like when you leave the house the comment was always act like a lady um, and you know, on the surface, that makes sense. Okay, I am a lady, so I'm gonna act like I do in the world. I'm gonna move about the world. Um, but there were always some undertones there that weren't really very clear to me. Um, and so when you're coming into your own mind as a young adult, and your own mind as um, a teenager, and your own body as a young adult and teenager, um, and reconciling with this, with feelings and emotions and urges and needs and curiosities, um, what does not acting like a lady look like? If I'm curious about this person, um, and you don't approve, is that not acting like a, I don't know. There were all kinds of questions that I had with regard to a gender lens, and then once I started a working career or working working in life, um, I saw pretty early uh, the differences between who gets certain projects, certain levels of responsibility, uh, why um, the, the the rationale for for um, I guess reward even, um, and so access became this. Thing that I would noodle on in the back of my mind, but didn't really know how to crack. Um, what made it plain for me <clears throat> that this was a labor of love was a, a few experiences in rapid succession. Uh, but one that was no very noteworthy was the Public Allies experience that I went through uh, a, a year or two after I moved to Cincinnati. And that program, I would have to say, really set me up in uh, an amazing. An amazing way uh, it, it educated me
0: before you go on can you just talk about what public allies is so oh, yeah. as a person who's not from Cincinnati yep. I came here and I know so many public allies and we it's deep. Yo, we yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah, y'all run deep. <laughs> and so deep people are like were you a public allies I'm like I don't even know what that means so yeah, <laughs> I am sure that many listeners are like okay so I definitely want to hear about right. the experience you had there but sure. tell us what public allies is
1: Sure, sure. So, Public Allies is a technically it's a nonprofit, but it is funded through the National Corporation for Community Service, which is a federal program, federal um, entity out of DC. And so, it is meant. It, it I think there's at 25 sites nationwide. There's one in Cincinnati, um, and it's meant to help young people really. Uh, get exposed to and figure out how to live their best humanity driven life. Um, so you could you very well could be placed in nonprofits that help build capacity, um, spread awareness, visibility, and its you're really becoming a public ally for said institution that you’re placed in to represent. Um, so I did that program for two years um, in 2013 and 2014. I think are my I think those are my years, um, and I loved it. And I had a it's a ten month experience where you apprentice with the the institution you're you're connected with, and you, you fill out these uh, individual development reports almost every week. Um, and you're doing it alongside your peers who come intentionally from different uh, segments of life. So you have some individuals in that class who. Perhaps may have a background um, rooted in poverty. Maybe they don't. Um, You may also have a class member who's um, who's working on their third or fourth degree. So that class, those classes, are set up every year intentionally to work alongside different individuals who come from those different backgrounds to to breed discussion, to breed um, dialogue, and opportunities to bridge the things that we think differentiate us out of something, even though we always have more things in common than we do differently. So I love that program because I was at the time I was just young enough and coming off of a campaign that really took everything that I had. And um, I needed a education to the city. I I needed that, you know, here's the rundown of Cincinnati. Here are the people in power. Here are the people who have power, here are the people seeking power. Here are the people who um, are just trying to make it work. They're trying to make a difference. Here are the people who uh, make noise. Here are or are, are you know schools of thought that people subscribe to. Um, it's a very conservative city with pockets of progress. And so that was necessary as a non- Cincinnati native for me to have that education because I can't say that I would have known how to navigate it. How to navigate the city after that program? After that program was finished,
0: and so thank you for that. What? So what was it? I, which is so interesting, right? Now I'm a transplant of Cincinnati. I mm-hmm. got here super early in early adulthood, in a whole different time in my life. Um, <laughs> but I'm not kidding. I could move today, and I can almost guarantee you that the foremost thoughts in my mind wouldn't be like, okay. So who has access, who has, like, I just recognized that my brain, my brain don't function that way. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think some people they go and they're like, okay, so what's the best restaurants? What part of town do I want to live in? What are the school districts that are right? So I'm very intrigued by you being in this stage of that stage of life. And those are the questions and the inquiries and the curiosities that you have about the place that you're going to live. So where did that come from?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, several different experiences too. I think another one that I'll I'll highlight is I worked for almost four years at Planned Parenthood, um, right here in Cincinnati. You know, I'm a proud, I like to say this the way in this way, I'm a proud donor. I'm a proud advocate. I'm a formerly a proud board member and I'm a proud patient. I still seek out their services because, um, they came along in a time in my life where I needed them a lot and or I needed them most, I should say, actually. And I, I credit a lot of my life's curiosity and trajectory to um, being a patient at Planned Parenthood. So in that universe, in the Planned Parenthood universe, access is big, it's huge. Um, state legislator, federal, federal, state legislature, and the federal government um conservatives on that side are often every day daily attacking that institution. And even though it is a preventative health organization. And so when we're talking about access, we're we're quite literally talking about um people who get access to care, people who get access to uh, autonomy over their sexual life. Um, and it's really disheartening to see, witness, and feel. Um, when that access is stripped away and I don't know how many guests you have on your show talking about abortion but that's the that's what I mean by what's one of the things I mean when I mean um that access is being stripped away the 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 laws and bills coming um to capital steps are appalling and disgusting and anti-black anti-poor and anti-women so um if there's anything I can do in this world, it will be always committed to protecting the things that I identify as, which is a woman and black and eventually uh, economically <laughs> economically safe. I, I can't think of a term for that, but yeah, that's that's another thing that feeds my drive for access.
0: I appreciate that. Like, and I can totally see how that, that shapes a lens. So I was watching, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of TV, TV until I watch until sports season comes Mm -hmm. that I like. And then I get, I see commercials. Otherwise, like if I'm watching something, it's probably streaming. So it's very interesting to be in the middle of football season, which is Mm -hmm. my favorite sport and to then see a lot of commercials. Um, and then, you know, if you think a thought it pops up in Facebook, um, that's part of their, (laughs) algorithm or something but it is so interesting that I there is some kind of glasses out there so like you have this pair of glasses and their whole draw is like you can put this um It's like a frame you can, it seems magnetic, maybe that you can put on the outside of the lens, right? So you can constantly change what your lenses, what your frames look like, because Mm -hmm. you don't have to buy a whole new set of glasses. You just kind of like pop on this frame. Well, what made me think of that is when we go through life, that is what we're doing. We are putting lenses through which or how we look at the world, even though we don't recognize it. And I think what is interesting to me as I deal in humanity is some people don't sometimes stop to go like, how did I get this lens? I don't mean in a negative, positive, good, bad, right, wrong way. I just mean very literally what we move towards and what we move away from are all autonomic instincts towards keeping us safe and alive. Mm -hmm. So when we start moving towards something I think it's very helpful. It's, it's necessary for us to go like, interesting. What experience have I had that made that something I'm moving towards? What experiences have I had that makes that something I'm moving away from? Mm-hmm. So when you started talking about that, I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense
1: mm-hmm. to
0: me. That your lens towards access is deeply rooted in you being involved in an organization where access is, is in, in a very... Uh, pivotal way is, is, is what the work is like, mm-hmm. how do we keep access? And so thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I think that that feels like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, yep. Got it. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so
0: Once yeah. you started to figure out through your uh, participation in public allies and things like okay, this is kind of the ecosystem of Cincinnati in regards to access. Um, because when I talk about privilege, privilege is nothing but access and restriction. That's true. That's it. You know, we can we use the word and people feel how they feel about the word, but what we are actually talking about is access and restriction based on identities of which you have no control yeah um and based on experiences or that that you haven't earned so you gain access to something based on an identity of which you don't control and you have not earned it so when you began to discover that what so what's what is lauren elise's jones's what's her thing once she figures it out how Mm -hmm. does she navigate through her world um not only identifying
1: access and restriction points, but then shifting them in some way. I'm glad you asked that question. That's that's an amazing one, um, and it's a good one. Toni Morrison has this brilliantly famous quote. I remember it a lot. Usually when I'm in a point that illustrates your question, in a position to bring along or, or set someone else up for success, and the quote reads. Um, When you get these jobs that you've been so brilliantly trained for, you you need to remember that your real job is if that you are free, you need to free somebody else. And I identify with that quote so much, so much, um, because after the Planned Parenthood experience, I was fortunate enough um, to be recruited and hired to work uh, for a philanthropic institution. And I worked there for five years. And in that environment, that ecosystem of how money moves in this region was outstanding. Outstanding, appalling, um, incredible, awesome. Like all of the adjectives I could possibly think of uh, with good and bad connotations attached to it. it. it was something to see. That environment was at the intersection of the business community, the nonprofit community, the political community, um, and and regular, just regular, regular community. So, seeing from an economic point of view, in real time, who makes decisions and how things come to fruition, really cemented it for me. Really, really, really cemented it for me. And I was in a very public facing role and my job personally and professionally was to figure out different ways to make the institution match its mission. Um, And sometimes I was successful and sometimes not so much, but the, the things that the takeaways that I have from that is, Hey, if I'm able to diversify this vendor list for catering then okay, cool, let's get more black and brown and other ethnicities on this catering list that we already throw how goo gobs of thousands of dollars to, to cater to staff, to cater events, to cater meetings, whatever. Awesome. If I can, if I have a relationship with a local interior designer and we need set design and you know the usual suspects are, have been historically white women, um let's give her a try because her her style is different and it's bold and it's going to communicate in aesthetic in a way that also helps you match your mission I was proud to do I was proud to do that work I was also proud to build and bring new relationships to the table who didn't even know or weren't just aware that they could start to leave a legacy through their philanthropic contributions i was proud to help small families do that i was proud to have those dialogues about how to get that started um, that work was really beautiful because it was this amalgamation of my experience with public allies my um, experience at planned parenthood figuring out how to chip away at um, the mystery that was philanthropy and I love that work. And I did it for a very long time. And now in my current life, I still get to carry though that level of integrity. I just get to do it in a way that is even more rooted in economic access. Um, I started Architect Brand and Design Collective because I have a lot of skills and I wanted to be able to flex all of them. And with the principles that I learned in fundraising, in addition to the natural strengths that I carry as a relationship builder, um, in addition, in addition to this st- creative streak that I've never been able to shake my entire life, I thought a marketing and brand management firm might be the next natural step for me. Um, and I'm almost one year into business, but four—I'll say four or five months ago, while well, I was four or five months into the business. I figured out, oh man, there's, I know a ton of creatives in this city. Wouldn't it be so dope if we could all work potentially under one network umbrella? And so that's where the word collective comes from. I'd love to um, put on black and brown individuals in a digital space? Who are the digital, the next wave of digital creators? Who are the next wave of um, graphic designers? Who is the next wave of copywriters? All of these things and services are needed, um, especially for the nonprofit community and the for-profit community, because people are hungry, entities are hungry to tell a better story, to tell a more authentic story, and um, cut through the noise. And if I can if i can be a facilitator of that then i will be and that's what architect will be as well
0: no that's awesome so my mind went so many different places cuz that's <laughs> what my mind does <laughs> um and and one of those things that i was thinking about is i find the the philanthropy world to be very interesting especially and i what i mean by that is it's interesting to me because I have so little access, well, uh, experience mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Growing up, that's just, I mean, I might have heard the word, but it always meant rich white people. Like it was synonymous sure. to me. Oh, for like, sure. That, that's
1: what that it's means. It's not a word Black people use at yeah. all. It's so, not a word pe- pe- communities of color really use like that.
0: So it is very interesting um, when we talk about. Um, pulling others up with us, uh, leave it, holding the door. You know, it's interesting that growing up, I would say I grew up in the era where manners, as they were called, were super important. The please, the thank you, the you're welcome, the mm-hmm. ma'am, sir. And one of those physical manifestations of manners is when you go through a door, you hold it open for the person behind you. Like it it's, it, it. was so ingrained that it, it's not even... There were no circumstances around it. That sure. it was not mood dependent. It, it was when you walk through a door, check to see if someone. And and it when I I'm an observer of people, it is so interesting to me to just take literally. I can take 120 seconds as I'm approaching a door to a mall or store, and I watch people enter and leave and just their practices around door holding and recognition, I find to be very interesting. I think it tells a story. I'm able to, as often with pretty high success rate, but pretty often divorce that from any story I'm making up about with just curiosity. That's interesting. I wonder what experiences this person has had that they didn't even check to see Right. If someone was behind them, or I wonder what's interesting. And the number of people that I see holding who don't check to see if someone's there, but still hold the door. There's mm-hmm. like this, this, this pause of like, oh, I'm holding the door. That's interesting to me. That, yeah. that tells a, that tells a, a historical story about the values of that person's community because it was necessary. So I thought about that, 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 that door holding the, the, um, Audrey Lorde, it was Audrey Lorde. Right. Yes, the Audrey Lord quote because you know in my mind I've been thinking about do better. No, nope, that's that's just the Maya. Okay, Audrey Lord, um, holding the door, and that's that's what I started to think about when you were talking. But I, when you start talking about like diversifying the catering, um, and I feel like that's one of those things that some people really take for granted. How. Mm, how much capacity how much capability we have in our everyday lives to create sustainable difference by simply sharing a social media post of um, a small business mm-hmm. that people don't know about
1: mm-hmm.
0: to just share your experience a
1: because family. people don't
0: know yeah. about them yeah. and as a small business owner whose business means that if I know your name and I didn't been in your house, you can't utilize most of my services. I get that. But what, what ways can you support that? And, and how once people start talking about me, then my name and services make it to places that I physically haven't been. So someone goes, "Oh, I heard your name at, this thing so that stood out to me and i i appreciate you bringing that up because some people i think sometimes are like i don't have a whole lot of money
1: yeah you know i'm I'm
0: still trying to make it myself what can i do and then just this other point of um oh what was it it was good i tried to save it for last and now i'm gonna mess around that's okay i've forgotten it um
1: (laughs) i can expound on um part of what you just shared and yeah. it helps you bring, bring uh-huh. it, recall that. Yeah. Like back to the philanthropic term or using the word philanthropy as, as a, an everyday conversation or in use in practice. Um, it's not a word that communities of color really subscribe to. It's not something we really, um, just have out there like that. Yet the behaviors we do, we always have, in practice, yes. I mean, you could argue that we've invented um, the world of philanthropy. And when I was there, uh, one thing I tried to illustrate in so many different ways was showcasing the spirit of philanthropy without using the word. Um, I think, in particular, Black folks, Black folks in particular give so much. To this world to this world to this life to every single day that we are allowed to be in it. Um, And it comes out in very specific ways it comes out through time, and everybody knows what time is. Um, It comes out through the talent, it comes out, you know, the contributions we have made in entertainment, or uh, sports, or any other talent, poetry, um, architecture. Uh, it comes out in that talent. It also comes out in treasure. There are some very philanthropic Black folks who live in Cincinnati um, and they're around. <laughs> you just got to pay attention to them. And the other two that I think are very, even more important, um, which is what I'll probably leverage more than most, uh, more, than, more than a lot of people, is just through ties and testimony. And I mean ties as in relationships and testimony as in my story. So I'm I'm proud to share my story, any part of it, uh, you know, any part of it, uh, depending on who's asking, because I think it's a powerful motivator, and people remember stories because they can always identify something with something in it that, huh, oh, I'm that way too, or it it just brings brings us closer together in humanity, and to in relationship with one another, Um, and ties are important too, so yeah back to that catering list if i have the relationship i'm going to share it i'm happy to share it because let's diversify some of this money that that we're spending out here let's let's increase the economic capacity of those who may not have ever been connected to this institution and if this is the if this is the step it took oh well that's okay cool that 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 just further illustrates my personal mission of creating access so um yeah, I will do that.
0: Oh, that's so good. And you, I had found it, but this definitely led me back to it, which <laughs> is, um, I don't remember what I was doing or what caused me to think about this, but, um, I heard a person, uh, shift from using the word marginalized to historically excluded. Mm-hmm. And I loved that frame that's because, um, it tells the story more accurately, so when I was thinking about this, I I could imagine some people going like, well, I mean, if we've always used a person and they've been good, what? Let's see. Here's the thing, and y'all can't see her face, but she made a face because that that's what happens. Well, no, 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 we're not not using people of color. We're not not using women. I went to an event recently, um, really just to kind of see what it was about. And I end up running into a person that I've met over the last year and a half in the, in the, in the COVID world, um, Mm. in person, which was so interesting, by the way, (laughs) complete side note, when you only see people's eyes, you know, now that we're starting to emerge publicly a little bit, you've, you can have gotten to know a person really well and never have physically touched that person or been in that space and how interesting slash weird it was to only be able to see people from their, their, their eyes up. Yeah. And so, um, I saw this person was like, oh, that looks like so-and-so we were wearing name tags. So that was helpful. So I'm like, oh, you know, but anyway, the, the comment she made was, well, I always am interested when people go, so what did you think? It's the way they ask, what did you think? And I'm like, "Mm, I already know what you thought just by how you're asking me what I think. But, um, one comment she made was, I am so surprised that it wasn't more diverse, like Cincinnati is diverse. And I said, oh, you still get surprised by stuff like that. Like, that's cute. I'm not trying to be (laughs) condescending, but, and, and so I begin to ponder and think about that. And so I, I go with the narrative. Well, I mean, where was there a diverse group of people applying was there, and, and we have all these rationales, but when we begin to understand that systems were intentionally systems.
1: built yes. Yes.
0: to Thank you. exclude, we don't get to give our own little personal heartthrob, I would never intentionally exclude a person. no, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. So I thought of that, and how, what I think is super important for people to understand, and I won't speak for you, but I, I know this to be true of what you're saying. Ain't nobody asking you to accept less quality or anything. We're saying systemically people have been excluded who offer equal if not superior service and Thank products mm-hmm. that people are not able to appreciate and have access to because the systems have dictated it that way. Right. So when you diversify that that uh, caterer list Ain't nobody saying, Hey, help my homie out. They no, we're saying there is a, so there is a good product. There is good service. There is a good thing here that you don't even recognize you're missing because the system has had you narrowly focused in a particular direction. And so yeah. that, that is what emerged as we're yeah. talking about putting on, this is not hooking up the friend who don't know what they're doing this is saying you are missing an entire multiple worlds of goodness and contribution and creativity and all of these things that can be infused into so many sectors of our everyday world Mm -hmm. but because we are still operating under a system that was literally designed to exclude that it almost seems like a favor. You know, I've had some instances in life where people have treated my gift like it was like they were doing me a favor.
1: Mm. And I've
0: learned to say, oh, I can't even engage no. because you have no idea the honor it is to behold my gift. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that just for me. Yeah. But please don't treat it
1: like you're doing me a favor or that you can find anybody else who does what I do. Come on. Don't don't act like there are just copies of Lauren and LaShonda's out here walking around and you could just pluck one out of obscurity whenever you feel like it. That is not true. I know it. You know it. So let's just, let's put some respect on both of our names and um, really put some uh, power behind the work that we do too. So I hear you loud and clear with that one. And it was always... That was always my most frustrating part Lashonda it was that that what that that like line of thinking um, subscribing to that kind of uh, systemic behavior I guess is the term that really 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 made me frustrated um, in that space because this these people are gems they are gifts they are blessings they are all of the adjectives in that in that connotation and um, this may very well be the key that helps you truly live that mission you say you care for, but we'll not, we'll never know with that behavior.
0: And, and that, I thank you for saying that because uh, something else that came up that I wanted, I, I, I really appreciate your language. Language is super important to me. (laughs) I've, I've known this, but it's, it's becoming annoyingly. So for, well, not annoying to me, but to other people lately, my like language matters. And I really appreciated your use of language around helping organizations or corporations or whoever live the mission. They say they have, you know, mission statement, curation is a pretty early process in the development of an organization, a club, a business, whatever that is. And I believe that the people writing it, the founders, those who are rooted in it, they they mean that thing. Yeah, um, they do. You and I are collectively part of something where we've been making sure we are very clear about them the mission of a thing and what we want to accomplish and mm-hmm. and and those who are starting that but what begins to happen as time passes and other people come in and other people take over is people don't often update the mission now I'm not even look maybe maybe people come in because they believe in that mission but are they really living it and sometimes do people look and go like this was the mission before but but what 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 do they really mean? Right? Mm -hmm. Because some of these missions are part of some of these systems that have historically and currently excluded. So so what is your mission? Maybe what we're people are trying to enact something different, trying to circumvent the mission because the mission innately was oppressive. Yeah. Can we talk about
1: that? Absolutely. Can we
0: look at that? Like absolutely that that's a real thing. So and then sometimes people who how many people were taught before you go to that job interview what's the mission of that company no we like homie i need a job okay Mm -hmm. i got bills to pay so Mm i'm gonna come do this so sometimes we become active participants in oppressive missions because we trying to make a dollar, but we haven't taken the time to say, what is the actual mission of this company, this organization that I'm working for? That matters. Does it align? And first, do you have a personal mission? You don't know if it aligns or not. If you haven't taken the time to say, what is my personal mission? For sure.
1: So all those things matter. They do. They do. And sometimes you run into scenarios where the mission or somebody told me this, a mentor told me this not that long ago, you run into scenarios where the mission just becomes words on a wall. And that's the day that that happens. And you realize, oh, none of this means anything. Oh, that's, 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 that becomes a different kind of pivot. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that we are a part of, uh, something to build more access in education, financial literacy, um, and eventually generational wealth, together that is true. I was just leading up to that, and it too stems from my personal mission of creating access. I am I'm so blessed to have had the experiences that I've had that shape who I am in this current moment. Um, I love I love this version of Lauren. She's a she's a she's something else. Um, And I'm really curious right now about how to, all right, knowing everything that I know about this region, knowing everything that I know about Cincinnati, knowing where the power player, power brokers are, knowing where the gatekeepers are, knowing how they built their sometimes massive wealth um, and thinking about the quality of life that I want to have for my family, um, for my future offspring and for my nuclear unit that my aging nuclear unit all right what do i what kind of hustle do i have to put on right now to create a new set of access economically my it's every single year that i get to live on this earth that mission of mine gets more finely tuned and now it's really 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 it's deeply rooted in economic um access and so This investment group that I started last year, I'm fortunate to work side by side with seven other incredible women who have a similarly minded approach. And we are collectively um, chipping away at barriers that that we didn't know were there uh, while learning how to create more access for ourselves too.
0: Absolutely. We are. (laughs) And, and, and part of that too, is like, which I appreciate is we all bring something different. Yeah. Let me tell you what I bring ain't what you're talking about. Like what are you talking about? But that's okay. Because one of the biggest things that I'm taking away from our relationship in this investment group is I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Right i would say the largest percentage of historically excluding people and groups of people is hiding the knowledge is obscuring the knowledge yeah. is is distorting the yeah. knowledge so that you can say oh we never said they couldn't participate but if you never pr- if you if you hid the access point mm-hmm. it's like saying oh of course you can come join but the door looks like a brick wall cuz you've painted the door to look like the side of the building so people don't know it's a door but only people who know that it's a door can enter mm-hmm. historically exclusion historically Absolutely. exclusion so i appreciate what we're doing because it does all of that it is shifting the access points um, and i really really appreciate um, being able to be a part of that and bring what I bring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To it. We're transparent, you know, and I love that you said that that way. I think you articulated it well. Um, we are shedding light in ways that make it plain, make it plain. This is where the door is. This is what's on the other side of the door. This is what's going to happen when you get to the window. This is what's going to, you know, this is the next step. And um, we've been involved in this journey now, uh, 15 months seven I don't know the math math is hard this early in the morning um but over a year (laughs) and and I'm really proud of the elevated levels of education we all now carry because of working in community and relationship with one another to figure out how to hack the investment game um collective I mean just collective economics and that I I really do believe that that's the key to Um, individual and generational wealth and I think you know a smart group of women black women like us can can do that for ourselves until we hit giant strides in the next couple of years and really are able to teach what what comes next and share that access you know what we've learned we can share um, and I think we will. Absolutely. And last thing on this, but as you were talking
0: it, you know, I got into like, you know, I was real passionate about that. I'm like, Oh, that, that felt, that, yeah, felt older, that fire that felt older than me. Hold on. Look, <laughs> that's rooted somewhere. And what it made me think of is let's think historically ancestrally for us. No, we had to keep it a secret. Because if you start telling everybody about the Underground Railroad, somebody yeah, it was, was going was gonna to mess that up mm-hmm. and I, and we carry that. So sometimes we find out, oh my goodness, that's the door. But see, I can't, I've literally heard people who like, you can't tell us about too much of that because then we start coming. I, I had someone say that to me, they're providing a service. They no longer provide a service for me. Yeah, we can't tell everybody about that and what they mean. No, 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 no. No, but but see how we we that that we're gatekeeping the mission of yeah. historical exclusion. Yeah, by doing stuff like that. Yeah, and and not realizing that we gonna get through the door and they still gonna treat us like they treat us. You think oh, yeah. because you got access, they're gonna treat you different? No, we are cultivating and shifting that, but. That would be for a whole nother podcast girl. Cause I feel myself getting, it. <laughs>
1: ooh. so I got plenty of experiences of what that looks like. Once you hit the other side of the door too, girl,
0: we're going to have to come back and talk plenty. about it. <laughs> Tell us how you take care of yourself because oh, yeah. what you have said is no small thing. Lauren, like I, I want to say that plainly that you have articulated it in a way with such grace and confidence and um, calm assurance that it almost sounds like, oh, yeah, this is just this little thing I do, creating access for historically excluded people and groups of people. But we all know that this is not like getting up and brushing your teeth, you know, a thing that has been habituated over time. So there has to be some very intentional self-tending that you do in order to maintain this work. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's definitely not light work, but I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that part. Um, The ways in which I care for myself currently, they have shifted a hundred different times over the last 10 years since I've been in the city. But um, one thing that has always stayed the same is that I, I, I do whatever I need to, to protect my internal joy. Um, And sometimes that looks, sometimes it happens in small measures and sometimes it happens in very intentional, drastic ones. Um, Small measures, I need to take a very hot, warm bath and just let the day wash away. Very big, intentional ones. I took a solo trip a couple of years ago uh, and spent about 10 days in California and it was my eat pray I called it my eat pray love scenario because that trip shed so much clarity on what I was and was not doing with my life um where stressors were showing up probably more than I needed them to and how I needed to excise those things right out right on out just get rid of them um And I really appreciated that. And I've done everything in between too. Sometimes I think self-care shows up for me in a really, really, really good dance party. Either, and sometimes it's in my living room. Um, You know, just sweating it out, moving your body in ways that release tension, physical tension. Um, And... I think a good cry is always merited when necessary, too. Um, I try to find and keep that joy in the little things and the big ones. I, I'll take a few minutes in the day to pray. I'll take a few minutes in the day to meditate, to walk away from whatever the stressor is and maybe come back to it with a new outlook for me, I am, I, I know what it looks like to crash and burn. I I remember just various different low points in my life. And I also remember how I got there. Um, so as a as a 35-year-old woman now, I am trying to be gentle with myself in ways that lead to some ultimate healing. Um, I can't go at the same speed as I did when I moved here 10 years ago. Physically, I can't go, um, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm I'm grateful for the grace to evolve. Um, I just try to remember those things when it gets tough, and recalibrate to what needs to happen next.
0: So good. I I really appreciate the spectrum too. The, you started with a, a hot bath, you went to a ten day solo trip, and everything in between. It's not about what kind of person are we, it's about what are the circumstances right now and what do I have access to at this moment? One thing that I really, really, really appreciate you saying is protecting the inner joy. I truly believe that some people have been culturalized, socialized to believe that joy is payment for safety. What I mean is that people will give away their joy to fill a moment of, I'm okay. I'm okay. So I'm going to give this joy away by working excessively so that I can feel financially okay. I'm going to give this joy away to stay in this relationship because being partnered or being connected feels more safe. Joy is not a ransom, y'all. No, it's not. I'm going to take an offering on that one. Feel free to send it to my Venmo. That's that, that'll preach joy is we don't, it's not, it's not restitution. We pay Mm -hmm. for living this life that we can retain it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you have listened to even one other episode, you know, if nothing else, I'm real. I never try to um, minimize or exclude the realities that many of us live in. Um, most of which rooted in the experiences we've had in our past, but no one told us that joy was
1: possible. Yes.
0: So some of us forego even experiencing joy because it feels so contrary to the present circumstances in which we find ourselves. That's okay. It's okay if we're there, but you don't have to stay there. So I really appreciate that. One of the the biggest thing that you how you take care of yourself is protecting your joy and all the things you named were just avenues that you use yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's an invitation. And, and, and here's the other thing too. You got some joy in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Been, you
0: might've been calling it something else. It might feel weird. And it what it's in there though, no matter how small it may seem, it's in there. Once you find it, first of all, go looking for it. Yes. And once you find it, what does it look like to protect
1: it? Mm. Yeah. I defined it uh, many, many years ago. I can't tell you when I know it was in my early twenties though. I defined it. I had an experience that really shook me to my core really is what happened. And it made me reevaluate the, how I was living my life and what, what wasn't going to happen for me if I kept going down that path. Um, And I got really scared and I got really low and I said okay this is definitely the opposite of what I'm trying to do so what would joy look like and it took small steps and I had to climb out of the scenario um but it was I loved loved how you said it It was just the things that I had access to in the moment so I really defined it for myself what joy looks like it means um this level of mental capacity it, at all times it means this level of physical capacity at all times it means my emotions aren't torn up uh, and and you know in a garbage disposal at this at this level it means um I have a certain level of ability of autonomy of a independence of all of those things I had to define it define it what internal joy looked like for me so I could stay in my right mind could stay in my right mind
0: that's some good stuff defining it because that's a good point some people don't think they have joy because they are using someone else's definition of joy or or their perception of what someone else's circumstances are you know joy doesn't have to again leave when circumstances get bad but what is that so look for it define it maybe we should define it first look for it protect it I love that Lauren I appreciate <laughs> you so very much
1: Appreciate um, you. <laughs> just
0: so good um you know we could talk for hours um but if someone heard something you said if they want to get in touch with you they have questions or they're interested in architect yeah how might they find you
1: Yeah, you can find Architect online, um, www.architectcincinnati.com. It is a collective, but yes, it is rooted here in Cincinnati. Um, You can also find me on Instagram under this name for the next two weeks, (laughs) and then it'll change. Um, But you can find me on on IG at Lauren Elise Jones, E-L-Y-S-E um I am getting married in two weeks so that will likely change to Lauren Elise Tudor uh, so when I make that change y'all will know I don't know how to do that yet on IG but I figured it out I will figure it out um yeah those are the two main platforms to find me
0: I love it thank you so much for taking time out of your um access work <laughs> to spend some time <laughs> with me and share your labor of love with my listeners
1: well thank you for having me Shonda. you are you are a gift and a, and a joy
0: thank you I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who provides all the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to my producer, Jay Suck from Instant Classic Media, and of course, you, my listeners. I never take it for granted that you tune in. If you want to reach out to me, if you have suggestions for content or guests, you can reach me at www.thelaborsoflove.com. Don't forget, we're on all the major social media outlets. Go ahead and head over to IG, where we have a podcast uh, page specifically for the podcast, the underscore LOL underscore pod. YouTube channel where all the Therapy Thursday videos are housed. If you haven't already, rate, subscribe, share the podcast. Y'all, there's some good stuff. Until we connect again, you all be well.